The materials provided are for information only and do not constitute as an offer. For investment advice, please consult professional advisors. Neither Zach or Jack are financial advisors. The information contained in this podcast episode has been compiled with considerable care to ensure its accuracy at the date of publication. However, no representation or warranty, express or implied, is made to accuracy or completeness. We shall not be responsible for any consequential effect, nor be liable for any direct, consequential, incidental, indirect loss or damage, however caused, arising from the use of, inability to use, or reliance upon any information or materials provided on this podcast, whether or not such loss or damage is caused by us. Links to third-party sites are provided for your information only. The content and software of these sites have been issued by third parties. As such, we cannot be responsible for the accuracy of information contained in these sites, nor be held liable for any loss or damage arising from or related to their use. Investors should be cautious about any and all crypto asset and investment recommendations and should consider the source of any advice on crypto asset selection. Various factors, including personal or corporate ownership, may influence or factor into an expert's stock analysis or opinion. All investors are advised to conduct their own independent research into individual crypto assets before making a purchase decision. In addition, investors are advised that past crypto asset performance is no guarantee of future price appreciation. Do not invest money you cannot afford to lose. All investments come with a degree of risk. Both of our panelists today, uh, I'd love to hear more about your background and how you first heard about Mimbleable. Yeah, um, so my background, it's, it's crazy like everybody else in crypto. Uh, I'm a video game designer by trade. Um, I basically did a lot of uh, gaming stuff uh, back in like 2005. I, I helped launch a game called Maple Story a really long time ago. Uh, which I my job over there at Nexon was to kind of focus on the secondary virtual markets. Uh, so at that time, I started learning about how addictive virtual currencies are um, when people were paying seven to eight dollars per million of this in-game currency, uh, which was quite interesting. Um, from there, uh, eventually, I got into uh, the virtual reality industry, uh, AR, uh, which is a frontier technology and. A buddy of mine uh, was recommending, like, hey, you know, you should really look into blockchain because there's a lot of intersect between these. And uh, I started really di- deep diving into uh, the blockchain industry about two years ago. Uh, and uh, we started trying to do a project called uh, MAP, which actually I, uh, my partner uh, at that time spoke here at Node uh, a while ago. And, um, yeah, well, you know... Uh, the whole boom bust of the ICO scene and all that kind of stuff, uh, things didn't really pan out. Uh, but uh, during that time, I had a friend, you know, say, "Hey, look, you know, you got to really look at this uh, Mimble paper. It's quite interesting." And uh, as I took a look into this thing, I was like, "Oh wow! Like this is uh, this is different. This is different than everything else." Like I was after, especially learning about this whole ICO scene, really deep diving into it. This Mimble Wimble white paper and also the implementation grin was such a breath of fresh air. Um, I decided to, you know, really you know, just drop my bags and just go like, hey, um, I want to work on that thing. <laughs> this well, thing looks really interesting. Fresh, breath of fresh air. Um, you know, because I think, and, and you know, it's, it's another thing too why I think a lot of the original Bitcoiners are kind of warm to grin is that, you know, again, it's not so much about this whole... Like, we can make money, let's flip this thing. Uh, instead, it's really about, like, hey, we figured out something really cool, and, you know, who wants to work on this with us? And, you know, I've 
I've definitely been more on kind of like community building and uh, like really just kind of working together with uh, other people to try to make something cool. And this had that vibe. I, I go into the Gitter, I go into the Telegram chat, and, and you know everyone's not saying like when moon, but you know uh, when when build, when release. <laughs> And how can I help? And what can I do? You know, the flu net's not working and, and et cetera. And it's just like, wow, you know, people are actually talking about real stuff. And that's so different than all the other, you know, ICO channels I studied and I went into. And, you know, I was like, I, I think this thing's real. And that was about maybe eight months ago. Um, and I, I, I started really started to tell other people about it. Like, hey, you know, you got to check out this thing. Um you know, it, it's it's really cool. It, it solves kind of like a, a couple of things about Bitcoin that doesn't really have. You know, what's it what's it solve? Well, basically, uh, what it does is it's able to prove double spend. I'm uh, oh, sorry, to prove that there is no double spend by dropping. Uh, uh, sorry, it's able to prove no double spend uh, using uh, cryptology without needing to have a publicly like uh, available. You know, ledger, and also that there's no addresses on it, so you can still maintain kind of your privacy on this whole thing while still being able to do transfers. And and I think that's pretty big, um, especially in the elegant solution that they have. I, I'm not a mathematician. I'm I'm not a. I mean, I do program a bit, but I'm not like the best programmer out there or anything like that. But what it promised was something that I feel is at least a step in the right direction uh, compared to what everybody else is saying, which is like, oh, uh, you know, we have this thing, but there's just faster transactions or we have this thing, but it's doing this. This thing was like, you know, we're just actually taking something away. And I think that was such an elegant solution that they they kind of presented during the minimal white paper and, you know, the green team just popped out of nowhere. And now there's like 110 devs or something like that uh, just actively submitting and contributing to this thing. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, be a part of this ecosystem as well uh, in, in, in what we're doing. So, yeah. Cool. Morris, have you learned about local? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess to give background on myself, um, I, I've been really around computers my whole life. I started doing web development when I was around in middle school. I was building websites, putting advertisements on them, running different softwares. And then around 2011 on Reddit, I came across the Bitcoin white paper. I thought it was something really interesting, but um, I didn't really have enough of a technological background to really grasp the, grasp the technology. How old were you for that? Uh, so I was 12 at the time. <laughs> um, and then 2013 came around, the prices uh, started to pick up a little bit. And I got really interested in mining, but I didn't have the capital to set up my own operation. So I, I just purchased cloud mining contracts that I used. And I mean, it turns out that if I had, had purchased the coin outright, that would have been a lot more profitable than the mining, which is oftentimes the case. Um, so then I, I let those run. It didn't really revisit it too much. And then after Ethereum came out, I missed the ICO, but I, I started to grasp like the, the concept of launching new tokens. Uh, uh, doing ICOs and all that. So then I started investing in ICOs. I did about 30 to 40 different ICOs over the past two years, really all across the space. I, I really enjoyed like more foundational technology than anything. Um, and during that time, I came across an auction called the Ethereum Name Service, or the EMS, which is essentially domain names for Ether addresses. You can assign human-readable text to Ethereum addresses. So I thought this would be like sort of like the, the next type of domain name, that businesses would be able to use this, create subdomains for their clients, 
and it, it would just make the whole process more efficient. So I started acquiring ENS names, and out of that, um, there were there were no uh, immediate use cases out of it. So I thought, how can I, in a way, help the community and help the adoption of this technology? So I created a startup that I called Fourier Solutions that was a point-of-sale system for Ethereum. So essentially, it was an iPad and a stand for, for any retail business to accept Ethereum. I was able to process the transactions within two seconds at, at fees that greatly undercut credit cards. Um, I was doing this in Chicago at the time. I was an undergrad at Northwestern. Uh, it turned out that the venture capital market in Chicago is not very no, adept for crypto at all. Um, so uh, I, I came across the struggle that, that it, I couldn't really raise capital for the project, but I still thought it was something interesting. So I, I ended up putting it on hold and, and looking for other opportunities. And at the same time, during, through all this, I was still interested in investing and, and really assessing different crypto assets. So I, I had the idea of, of possibly joining a fund. And then during that time, I was actually at a conference um, it was uh, distributed, ran by VTC Media in Chicago, and I met Jeremy Gardner, who at the time was announcing his new fund, Awesome Ventures, and uh, yeah, so I, I ended up interning for him that summer, and then came on full, full time as head of research, so I've been, been with Awesome for a little under a year now, I lead the due diligence process, and um, Awesome Ventures is a social impact focused blockchain fund. So we focus on uh, anything from foundational technology, financial inclusion, privacy, really anything that we think at scale will impact 10 million people or more in a positive sense. So how do you hear about Mimble Wimble? Oh, yeah, so about Mimble Wimble. <laughs> so I'd say um, back in October, I saw in a lot of my investor groups, uh, people were talking about Grin. And uh, so I, I had no idea what it was, so I started to research it. And I'd always been a fan of Monero and ring signatures and less so Zcash, but I still thought it was really interesting. So I went ahead and read the white paper, and I was really taken aback by it. So uh, while I was at Northwestern, I, did, I was studying math and economics. So I had studied a lot of like the elliptic, elliptic curve cryptography in my, in my math studies. And I, so like the, the idea of using ECC for Mimblewimble was something that I resonated with and that I, I understood. ECC? So ECC is elliptic curve cryptography. It's essentially the idea that if you have like an uh, elliptic curve, you can uh, input different like scalar functions or different multiples of it. And, it's, and you should be able to be still on the curve after those functions are completed. So I thought that was pretty compelling. Then the two projects that came over. And what's the, what do you think of the implication of elliptic curve cryptography? Yeah, so it hasn't really been um, too much experimented with, I'd say, until Mimblewimble. Yeah. So I thought that like we've seen all these other forms of cryptography, and this is like a new place that mathematically is proven to be secure, but no one has implemented it yet. So that sort of like sparked an interest in me to, to explore further. Yeah, I think for me and a lot of our in the community, it, it basically allows for uh, scalability in ways that weren't really possible before with our understanding of cryptography, um, which I think we're also excited about the Google and different implications. Um, so, so, Forest here is wearing a grin T-shirt. <laughs> Uh, Steve is very active in the grid community in every sense. Um, I definitely, uh, I think both of you guys are invested in grid, right? Mm -hmm. um, so 
Uh, me and our fund, we're not invested in Grin. Uh, we very much believe in the Wumble, but there's two major implementations of it. One is, uh, I'm going to do my best to kind of summarize this and kind of correct me uh, as, as things go. Uh, uh, there's one kind of more open source implementation that happened very soon after the white paper came out. And then there's one more kind of startup implementation. And there's a few kind of key differences between them. Um, the main one being that being their team felt that in order to incentivize development and adoption, it was best to take 20% of the mining rewards and give those to early investors like our fund, uh, founding team, developers, um, and to go to a kind of a marketing and adoption budget where Grin took kind of a purely open source approach. There's no, there's no team, there's no company, there's no legal entity. Uh, so in that respect, it kind of is more like Bitcoin, which the, or at least the implement, original implementation of Bitcoin, it's less like Bitcoin in terms of its ambition schedule. So Deem took kind of more of a store of value approach uh, where there's going to be inflation to start, uh, but then over time the inflation becomes very small, where Beam is going to have constant emissions, so fairly high inflation uh, over the long term and very high inflation in the short term. Um, Beam is working, I think, on more usability aspects and it has been more successful in a much shorter period of time. Uh, so better UI to UX on the existing wallet. Um, opt-in audibility. So these are both private tokens, but um, Beam wants to have adoption for businesses that want to be completely compliant with their local regulations. So they have the ability to basically turn on the view key for a specific auditor or regulator uh, without compromising the privacy or security of anyone beforehand uh, or anyone after that they send Beam to. Um, a few other differences include uh, the programming language. So with Beam, it's uh, known standard C++, and with Grin, it's Rust. Uh, there's a different, a different uh, uh, hashing algorithm. So uh, Beam choose, uh, shows the echo hash algorithm that is used to mine Bitcoin and many other proof-of-work cryptocurrencies. Uh, Grin chose to use the cuckoo, cuckoo cycle, a new hashing algorithm. Uh, neither Grin started as trying to be ASIC resistant, and I think now it's kind of given up on that. Is that or? Uh, yeah, so I think uh, if anybody's learned anything from Grin, it's uh, don't be ASIC resistant. There's just no point. Um, yeah. If there's a way to make money, people will. Uh, so, yeah, there's already a couple ASICs coming out uh, for Grin. Uh, one is the Obelisk One, uh, which uh, is supposed to release in a couple months for something like $4,000 to $6,000. And it should provide about 10 to 15x compared to a GPU. Um, and then uh, there's another one actually I've heard of that's actually in China. Uh, I don't know the name of it, but it's already operational. Cool. <laughs> From what I've heard, yeah. yeah. I mean, to, but to add to that, I, what I read about Grin was that, that they plan on, the plan is to do, I guess, GPU mining in the beginning and then slowly add ASICs to the network, which yeah. is an interesting approach because GPU miners are traditionally just individuals with computers like uh, mining on their own versus ASICs are the large mining farms, so it really fosters a community early on. So that's the plan, that's the plan now. Yes, yeah. I don't, I don't know if it's Yeah, no, that, that was the plan. Uh, unfortunately, the plan didn't go to plan. Uh, there was too many SPVs set up, uh, and, uh, you know, day one, the difficulty spiked 
to something like 1.2 million I, or, or no, sorry, like a hundred million or so. I don't know. Like right now it's impossible to mine from home now. It, there's too many players out there that have, uh, and it's actually really bad timing because of the entire Ethereum uh, fork or, or whatever the update caused all the GPU miners to have to point to something. Yeah. So they've all pointed at Grin and Beam. And uh, because of that, it's just completely, uh, yeah, it's don't bother mining grin at home. You're gonna lose. Uh, you know, you're just there's just no way for you to make money on it right now. Do you feel like grin will ever be able to kind of be at a similar level to Beam? I don't think those projects are similar in any way, uh, in the sense of what the is. Uh, I think Beam again is taking more of an Ethereum approach. I think above said, but essentially, like you know, there's a team, and you know, they're clearly there. <laughs> Uh, their incentive for building this thing is for profit. Uh, I think I believe that the well, beam I team. Just, I would stop you there. That's that's definitely not. I mean. Well, I mean, I mean, people work for a reason. For sure. Yeah. yeah I, I if if they were building something, no salary, and strictly creating like a foundation where they literally took no salary, then I would agree. So do you think? You're not able to believe in something that isn't making money while making money. Well. It doesn't. It, that's not what I. What I'm really trying to say, though, is that no matter what, if you are taking money out of a project, there is some incentive there that I want to, you know, receive some value out of the work I've put in. Um, you know, and then again, and, and I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. You know, uh, receiving money like this. What I was taking issue with was you're saying it's a very different ethos where it's fundamentally the same ethos as someone who knows the team very well. It's like the reason they're working so much on Beam and Mimblewimble is because they care about privacy and scalability of cryptocurrencies. Then I, I think I shouldn't have used the word ethos. Yeah. Perhaps I should have said different funding mechanism. If if that uh, you know uh, helps alleviate this, well, yeah, it's, it's very different though. It's not semantic though. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I think fundamentally there's a difference there, uh, and I don't really think that's a, it's a deal breaker for anybody. Uh, you know, again, I have no problem with the Beam team at all. I, I think what they're doing is great. I, I actually, if it wasn't for Beam, I probably wouldn't be as familiar with Grin. Grin is again somebody's side hustle yeah. versus Beam being a, a company. Right, and and if you're forming a corporation, or anything like that, then you need to make sure that the corporation survives. While with Grin, it's kind of like, okay, well, who wants to take the torch now? And well, it's kind of like anyone can join in. So it's starting as kind of a more centralized startup company, and then fairly soon going to transition to a foundation, and then after five years, there's going to be no treasury rewards and no kind of cut that goes. So the 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 long term vision is this open source decentralized governance mechanism it's just it's like how to get to there okay yeah. cool yeah absolutely I, I have I have no qualms about that whatsoever yeah okay <laughs> yeah uh, I will say one thing though is that I actually uh, wonder about the adoption of Beam uh, versus Green uh, yeah. uh, so I was talking to a couple of lawyers and uh, some, some lawyers that used to work at the SEC and things in um, you know, when we're talking about OTC, about Grin and the adoption of it, uh, they said that absolutely 100% Grin is not a security. It can't be because there's no team. Uh, and because of that, it's, it's, it's just magic numbers in the sky. And I don't know if that applies to Beam. So, because I think Beam can be considered a security as there is a team and there is a 
mining incentive to that. So I'm not sure. Yeah. So that's that's a good question. So the, the investment vehicle that, that we invested through, which is basically getting a wallet that is hard encoded into the Genesis block that every every approximately every month for five years, any of the early investors are going to receive Beam. That wallet and that process is security. So you have to be an accredited investor or entity to do that. But the actual currency itself uh, is, is not a security and that's been at least to my understanding, there hasn't really been any legal opinion otherwise on that. I mean, to add to that, I know Beam is registered as a nonprofit in Switzerland, so I, I don't know how that would uh, change with the security regulation. But I'm inclined to believe that would be less likely to classify as a security. Yeah. I'm I'm also very worried about once regulators start working with these firms and what's going to happen in terms of their ability to kind of know about. Oh, I mean, they already know. <laughs> well, no, they, I mean, they, they, they can't know to the same degree, at least, and or with the same ease. Like, you, even if you don't get a warrant, there's still red tape and there's time that goes through requesting, yeah. you know, customer data from Apple or from Google or for something. It's not a public blockchain and you have tools. Yeah, tools so they have, like, unlimited time <laughs> because it's not like it's going to get erased or anything. Not like Grand, where every six months it gets truncated. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think, again, uh, with this kind of thing, I, and again, I don't think Bitcoin's going anywhere uh, other than to the moon, right? Um, but... <laughs> No, I mean, you know, again, I think Grin, Mimblewimble, whatever implementation of this stuff, it's just, again, it's a step in the right direction um, as far as, like, how we as humans will start adopting to this kind of digital currency, you know, that isn't WeChat Pay where, you know, and the problem with WeChat Pay, and, and I hope this doesn't get broadcasted in China, but the problem with WeChat Pay is that, you know, as, as, a, as, a, as a citizen of America, I'm afraid that if I store $10,000 U.S. in my WeChat account, I, it's gone. You know, I have absolutely nothing I can do. I can't even prove that it was in there. Like, I take a screenshot. Like, you know, I mean, what can I do to actually prove that that money's there? It, there's nothing I can do. But you know, with something like Grin or Bitcoin or something like that, you know, that's that's mine, and no one can take that away from me uh, unless I put it in an exchange. <laughs> or you lose a private key. Or I lose a private key. Because, but that's my fault. You know, it's not like it was sure, yeah. maliciously caused by some centralized place. And, and we're talking about something that's really important: money, right? And what is money, right? It, it's 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 really just the ability to do things. It, it's so. What yeah, do you feel like our, our ideal properties of money. Oh man, right. There's this. This has been talked about so many times, right? Yeah. Like it needs to be fungible. Uh, I forget all the lists. Right? What do you What do you think? Me personally, what is money? Well, um, no, what are ideal properties? Of ideal properties of money. Uh, well, it it needs to be transportable, right? Uh, you, I mean, although you know, I think they had talked about like the, it wasn't Easter Island, but it was something where like they just pointed at rocks and everyone knew what who owned that thing. Uh, but you know, ideal is like it's trans it's transferable, it's fungible. Um, there is a limited supply, uh, and uh, I forgot what the other ones are. But yeah, uh, obviously now I believe in being the ability to have some sort of privacy <laughs> yeah. attached to it. Yeah, but that wasn't actually one of the uh, main tenets. Yeah, yeah. and I, I would say privacy is basically synonymous with fungibility uh, because if it's not private, and the asset could be seized by the government or another actor. Then it's it's not being fungible. Yeah, and, and Bitcoin is slowly becoming non fungible. Um, it's always been non fungible. Well, yeah, it's because of the fact that like more I'm more, yeah. I'm four hops away from ISIS. Like, 
this money that someone sent to me as a payment. Like, I, I mean, how the hell would I know? I, I don't personally have a red flag, but now I try to it, it, turn it into an exchange. And they're like, you can't, you know, you just get locked up or something. I mean, that's totally possible in a dystopian future not too far away. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's dystopian if private entities like exchanges say that if you've interacted with ISIS unknowingly. Oh yeah, but then if they take the Bitcoin and they would give it back to you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, how the hell was I supposed to know, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that's like 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 saying that Tim Draper's Bitcoin is all tainted because uh, I guess Tim Draper or yeah. bought a lot of the bought the uh, so the Silk Road was it used to be like the largest drug market. The FBI took it down, seized all the Bitcoin, and then auctioned off the Bitcoin. Tim Draper is the guy who bought all that Bitcoin. Yep. So he bought what is essentially tainted Bitcoin. So I mean, that, that, that like begs the question of if all the projects he funded with Bitcoin, are they going to be like called out by the FBI in a few years? But I mean, that's another story. But I think like one property of money that we're, we're sort of overlooking is the governance of it. So I think what, what crypto introduced, which is really interesting, is decentralized governance. So the idea of using game theory and economics to create new ways of how money should function in society. And it's like it, through crypto, like it, through like, the, like proof of stake, like having the people are able to have a, a say in what is the future of that currency, which is like right now with the dollar is basically the, the Fed just tells us what's going to happen. And we, and we have to say, okay, like with, with, with no, no contest. I mean, the idea of having the people like come together and it's, it's interesting though also how it's explored in different ways. Like we've seen in, I mean, probably hundreds of different types of consensus models of how, how do we structure these groups of people who has a larger say, should it be on how much money they have? Should it be every, every person has an equal say? I mean, I think that's something really compelling that cryptocurrency has opened up for us. For sure. Yeah. I think the, the last property that I feel like is important to me that you both have touched on is inflationary or deflationary. I think by just the questions I've asked and that I'm investing in theme and not grin, I think deflationary is a, an ideal property of money. I think it incentivizes saving versus incentivizes spending. Um, and then there's also, it's like, who's inflating the monetary supply? So at least with something like Ethereum or Grin, the inflation is known. There can't be tampered with, but when you rock the Federal Reserve, uh, inflation is done you know, by without really any major accountability. And it's done not for inflating the total monetary supply, but it's it's really a tax on those who kind of receive the money lots. So it, it benefits, like all kind of counterfeit money, it benefits like the banks uh, that they give the money to and the government first, uh, but then kind of everyone as a, as a whole loses, but there's some actors that gain and some that lose basically over interacts with the monetary supply first before prices uh, catch up to it. Yeah, and one, like how you talked about how the Fed uh, sort of adjust interest rates. I think uh, an interesting additive of that is uh, is like crypto backed loans, like models like Maker, where you can put up crypto to get get a loan, and it's it's really the the percentage of how much collateral you need versus how much you get. It's all up to a, a new design in a way. So instead of having like all these mortgage brokers who, who can only give you an interest like a certain X percentage, you can shop around to a lot of different places and really see what people have to offer. I remember back in I think 2015, I was actually lending out uh, BTC on Poloniex to, to for people to margin trade with. That's an interesting model, although it wasn't profitable. But uh, like current models like Maker and part, generally participating in in these unique systems can can be profitable. And it's a, I mean it's a new mechanism to to have more money essentially. 
Yep. So uh, I, I think the best maker DAO, uh, and I'm so interested in maker DAO because I, I think a, a private stable token is quite interesting. Uh, but the best one I saw was like, okay, you, I got to loan money to myself. <laughs> what does that all mean? And uh, apparently with maker DAO, like you need to only take out 60% of whatever your collateral is, or else you're going to watch your asset just get nuked. <laughs> well, it, it depends. Like, yeah. 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 You know, <laughs> it's like, you want to, you want to keep a safe margin or she just like, you might as well just sold it on the bottom. Yeah. And, and also putting up 150% collateral is pretty yeah. steep. Yeah. 60, 60, you can only take out 60% yeah. rate. So it's, like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, unless you think we're gonna hit a big bull bull market soon, <laughs> yeah. So, so I think at this time I'd like to take some questions from the audience. Uh, just raise your hand and uh, get us started. Not everybody at once. <laughs> hey Mark, could you elaborate a little bit more on why you think that uh, deflationary currencies are better? Because I think if more people say then there's less liquidity in the markets and less funding and the economy will grow on a slower pace. Yeah, so I, I actually think that's... Uh, oh, maybe that's what you want. Yeah, so for, first off, I want to say we haven't really ever seen this because all money has always been diluted in some way when we've had gold or silver. You can always mine more and then over the last like 100 years... Most of the ways we store value is in government fiat currency, which is always inflated or goes to zero because the government uh, goes away. So I don't think we've ever meaningfully seen what like a deflationary economy would look like in the modern world over the long run. My, I don't feel very strongly that if we were to switch to, let's say, instead of targeting 2% inflation now, 2% deflation, it will 100% be better in the U.S. Uh, but I do feel like it will likely be better than what we have now. And I think a, a big reason for that for me is like is climate change and consumption. Right now, by spending and having unstoppable or kind of perpetual economic growth that I think is not just productivity, but is also due to inflation, uh, you're going to get uh, more incentive to fly, more incentive to build, more incentive to do things that I think some people would say is just all good, but I think like comes at a cost. And I think uh, it's definitely worse for the economy in the sense that there's less economic growth, less liquidity in the market, but I think it's perhaps better for human organization and, and quality of life. Uh, but most importantly, the way that I want to experiment with that is not saying you have a government fiat currency or the Federal Reserve now targets 2% inflation. It's more we're introducing inflationary assets like Bitcoin or Ethereum into the market and then seeing what that does for some people before making kind of wide swaths around like now everyone uses inflationary money. Um, yeah, so on the last one, I think it's good just to have a switch from toggle because like you said, it's all been inflationary. I can be inflationary, which is nice. Um, but I'm curious about so uh, I think both Mimblewimble implementations use uh, proof of stake, or sorry, they use um, proof of work, is that correct? Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious, so that's what's used by Bitcoin, is kind of the most proven in a way, um, you know, just, I guess, it hasn't broken, if that makes sense. Um, are, from your perspective, is, are there any other alternatives to the consensus um, that are also viable for like Mimblewimble or other you know, things on top of that? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not that all too familiar with uh, different and uh, like sort of mining algorithms, but I know like, uh, like I'm very familiar with Filecoin, which uses like proof of replicability and um, proof of 
or I think time, I want to say. I mean, there, so there's a lot of d- different ones of these. I'm uh, personally, I'm more of a fan of proof of stake over proof of work, just because I believe the energy consumption, it doesn't need to be there. Um, but I, I think proof of work is the right fit for for Grin and for Mimble in more general. I think uh, maybe S- Steve could, could highlight uh, on that. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, disclaimer, I am a EOS maximalist, <laughs> uh, which is weird. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that's uh, it, it's a long story. But uh, yeah, I think proof of stake, again, uh, really requires a heavy-handed kind of uh, – like it's almost like proof of stake needs, in my opinion, at least delegated proof of stake needs kind of a centralized uh, governance to it in, in the sense that now we're kind of having more of like a – U.S. Congress kind of thing where we kind of vote in the people and all this kind of thing. Oh, someone needs to organize all these things happening. Proof of work, you just turn on a computer and it just happens. Uh, And I I think everything is an experiment. You know, Uh, I don't think that anything has been proven or not. But with Bitcoin, you know, having its 10 year anniversary recently and it's sort of still decentralized. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, unless like all of the uh, Chinese miners decide one day to just rewrite everything. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think that would be the end of Bitcoin if that happened. But um, yeah, uh, I think uh, I think at least for now, you know, to just make everything easy, they just prove, uh, they just use proof of work. Uh, I I don't think that anyone's organized enough to try a proof of stake. Uh, at least like, especially from the grin team where there's no team. <laughs> yeah. So like, I mean, at that point, like, well, who's going to be first? <laughs> I, I think that like grin using proof of stake would be really interesting because I, I, from what I've seen right now, proof of stake tends to get abused a lot. Like for, for instance, Tron, there's 27 like super representatives and I, I did some research on it and verified that at least 12 of them are personally controlled by Justin Sun. So it's not decentralized governance at all. Um, so it's like like having a decentralized entity like Grin do a, a proof-of-stake system that's actually fair would be really interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, to your point on proof-of-work versus other things, I think you said it, that proof-of-work is the only thing that hasn't really broken. Uh, it all depends on the sliding scale of what broken is. Like some people might say there have been 51% attacks, therefore it has been broken. Uh, I would take kind of a more holistic view of that, like, this has allowed for Bitcoin to proliferate from an area to proliferate for transactions to occur. I think it's by far the least broken, but it's all it's all a spectrum. And I think one, it should be compared to not just the ideal of perfection, and but compared to other alternatives, like other cryptocurrencies and other fiat currencies. And I think uh, there's likely no debate in this room that fiat currencies are broken in the sense that you know, governments have the right uh, and the power at any time to devalue the currency via inflation or seize the asset. Um, but I, I'm going to disagree with Oris uh, and Steve and on proof of stake. Uh, as you've noted, it's been by far way more abused than proof of work, and it allows those uh, without that much capital to run successful attacks on the network. Um, on a, a podcast we host, we had a, a major miner come on and kind of talk about. Um, you know, basically proof of stake and proof of work and what's gameable and what's not and how even like a centralization of mining isn't really as big of an issue because if, you know, miners, even if you had over 51% of miners collude to do double spend on the Bitcoin network now, it would be like ridiculously capital intensive to do and would probably not res- result in actually destroying the network. Like it would 
doing the math. You just fork away. Yeah, you just fork away, and it it would be something like I think twenty to thirty x the market cap of the coin to successfully really like double spend all of it. Uh, So I I am you know optimistic that we will experiment and potentially find other things that are less uh, require less energy. But I think when you want to prioritize security uh, and like having a ledger that is untainted, I feel like we need to have decades of something else besides proof of work before I'm comfortable doing that for something as important as money. Um, and yeah, I would also say that the energy consumption is a feature, not a bug. Uh, I think it's unfortunate that it does use lots of energy given the kind of energy and climate crisis we're having right now. But um, I would like to look at it holistically where uh, kind of what I was saying to Amar before, uh, a deflationary currency, I think, does a lot for the environment. And there's there's like how much energy it uses, but then there's what are its effects on energy as a whole. So big fan of proof of work. Hopefully we can figure out something else that is less gameable than proof of work. Uh, but I'm, I'm not optimistic about that in the next kind of few years. Very much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, you know, again, it's your good now, right? Yeah. And some would argue, I think, on a fundamental level, it's, it's gameable. Like, most variations of the state. My question was more about um, why the Harry Potter thing we use. Was it more of a cosmetic thing or did uh, it have an actual implementation? Uh, no. Yeah, it was uh, the original white paper was done by uh, Tom Elvis Juvisors. It's 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 I I I'm destroying this. I'm just, I'm, I know I should know the origin. I don't remember. I don't really care. Uh, but it's it was the uh, French name of Tom Riddle, whatever whatever that is, and uh, they just all started running with Harry Potter names and. Uh, uh, there's a, there's one of the one of the core developers just like I'm not doing it I don't care <laughs> uh, you guys can all you know just, just stop like please like we're trying to be a professional thing here so yeah um, so yeah it's uh it's it's just some typical developer humor yeah I mean I feel like like a lot of these decentralized communities have the type of humor like. Like developers like Yeast Plume. Um, yeah, he's he's the one that said I'm not doing the Harry Potter. Oh, he's the one. Yeah. <laughs> he put his foot down. He's like, no. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I like it. I think it's it's quite entertaining and your specs. Yeah, a Mimble Wimble though is the hidden spell. Whatever. I, I don't know. <laughs> right, Zach, could you describe what happened with the Beam Wallet um, a few weeks back, where there's a vulnerability that was exposed? Um, yeah. So, so I, I think, uh, first off, I'm not a developer, so I can't speak to all the technical specifications, but I'll do my best to summarize as I understand the course of events. And I actually think that this is what, you know, the way the Beam team handled this critical vulnerability made me even more confident in kind of the investment in the team and the approach that was taken as a result. As Laura said before, with Zcash, there was a critical vulnerability for a year. Uh, no one saw it. Some people took advantage. Like, the community didn't see it, but some people took advantage of it. We see forks like Bitcoin Gold, where no one realizes for a few months that there was just like a pre-mine and the founders had an extra like twenty percent of the total supply. Being uh, like a lot, if not like basically all proof of work cryptocurrencies, uh, had a vulnerability very early on, within like the week after, uh, ten days after it launched, and then it internally found the issue and fixed it before anyone kind of suffered from the attack. 
Um, so I don't know exactly what the vulnerability was. I don't have the technical knowledge to, to understand it. But uh, yeah, like I'd, I'd say also just on top of that, it's that it's actually really common. Uh, Scatter had that problem as well for EOS, and uh, at some point you could just hack anyone Scatter <laughs> and then take all their EOS. So um, I think making a wallet really secure is hard. Um, yeah. and it requires a lot of auditing. Um, so yeah, at least, uh, when the beam thing got hacked, uh, you know, there wasn't that many people on it, you know, like, not like, well, it didn't, it didn't even get hacked. The, oh yeah. The, sorry. They the found the vulnerability. Found and then yeah. Explained yeah. in transparency. Yeah. 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 I guess the point of the question, or maybe it's a comment, but when you're launching a new, uh, cryptocurrency and you're asking users to basically delete the wallet and reinstall it, it's a really hard hurdle to overcome um, when you're asking uh, so much of the user at the beginning where you're trying to create a, a nice user experience. So I just wanted to mention that as something that turned me off about the game project early on was me having to kind of basically do over. Um, and curious about the grant implementation, what is the strategy for user adoption or for creating a better user experience yeah I, I have it in my backpack you know, I'm happy to show you yeah the the, 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 the windows graphical okay. wallet yeah, yeah. See yes, see, so Steven's building like what's probably going to be the best wallet at least for a while so. uh, yeah yeah we, we got lots of cool bells and whistles on it and uh, we're, we're happy to support um, like all kinds of Mimblewimble implementation again I'm not part of the Grin team there's no team um, but yeah, we, we, we felt that about three or four months ago, we were like, okay, yeah, we're going to do a grin pool. We're going to build pool software. We're going to build miners and stuff. And then we're like, wait a minute, there's no wallet. <laughs> like maybe we should focus on this first before uh, we get ourselves carried away and battle the Titans, uh, so to speak. So no one's working, no one's really working on a wallet. So we kind of cornered that niche. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we, we plan to capitalize on the 2000 people. Don't have green. <laughs> I definitely understand how that could be really off-putting, you know, trusting this and then realizing it was a critical vulnerability. But again, there were a significant amount of critical vulnerabilities in early, basically early Bitcoin wallet and MetaMask, the most wallets, the DAO, like every major like project has had like a significant amount of critical vulnerabilities in wallets. Uh, and I, I wish that any good product of substance like Beam wouldn't have that, but I think to expect that there would be zero things like that uh, in its early stage development is just unrealistic of how kind of emerging technology uh, happens. Yeah, the, um, the uh, productive feedback would be when the critical vulnerability is discovered, make it as easy as possible for the user to make the update or to reinstall as opposed to going through you know, a bunch more steps. Did you read the update regarding why they did that? I, I haven't touched Beam since since that happened, but I'll go back and I'll So the reason they did that is because they wanted to be absolutely sure about the security of it. So they could have done that like a lot of other walls like MetaMask did and then realized that they actually left a critical vulnerability for a certain percentage, but they wanted to prioritize security over kind of the user experience. Yeah, in that case. It's leading edge too, so I'm going in expecting things to break. Thank you for the session. It's amazing. Uh, what are the main use cases of Beam at this stage? Because I like uh, a lot of talks about technology in San Francisco and Silicon Valley, but then I like to see uh, okay, what's uh, who is using it? Really? I know that Zcoin. We talk about Monero. Monero is a lot for illegal stuff. Zcash has some like uh, corporate uh, use cases. Yeah. Zcoin has been used for like 
it's quite interesting that uh, actually the, the one of the number one adopted coins in Venezuela is I mean of course Bitcoin but it's actually Dash yeah yeah and because they've been doing they've been pumping a crap load of marketing there <laughs> and everyone's kind of like land grabbing Venezuela while it's like you know about to erupt into a civil war so um, yeah um, when you can't trust your central government to bank that's when cryptocurrencies are going to take off because they don't know what else to do. At that point, and then uh, another great thing about Venezuela is it's free electricity, right? So you know, free electricity. electricity. It's basically subsidized by the government to provide almost free electricity if you can, if the power stays on for more than four days, uh, and also if you can figure out how to get a computer that has like a graphic card that's uh, worth mining with. Um, but if you have all that, then you can feed your family. I, I think somebody was running a Reddit campaign where they just donated like ten bucks to like a few families and things like that, and that like fed that family for a week they're like I don't know what I would have done without this it was uh, yeah. I don't know if they gave like Doge coin or something I don't know it was like some <laughs> just some afterthought of some some guy on like a like a Mountain Dew high he just like yeah. decided to give some money to Venezuela but yeah is Doge the Chinese word for Doge is it Doge yeah I don't know yeah. <laughs> Doge <laughs> I, I, well Doge is from Japan okay right? yeah, yeah. So, so, so speaking of both of your guys points about like the killer app for nimble and learn these types of money I think the killer app is it's for those that are have the highest risk of seizure and the highest risk of inflation so I think Venezuela is like everyone's talking about it it's the prime example I think there's other countries where inflation and asset seizure is like a big risk but you know while Game is already before it launched thinking about like how corporates in the US will adopt corporates in the US will be literally the last adopters of so much of this technology and that's good you know like when it comes to money specifically I think that it needs to be, go to those in which it's such an improvement over the status quo. And for those that are financially secure in countries where asset seizure is, the probability is very low, like here in the U.S., uh, Beam, Grin, Nimble Wimble, Bitcoin matters a lot less and it's more, you know, it's more speculators than not than it does to people in Argentina, Angola, in Venezuela, where, you know, generations of, you know, financial insecurity, of inflation, of currency to be completely demise. So that's where I'm excited about uh, both stores, place, things to store value, like a Beam, or even stable coins like Reserve that is unlike other stable coins targeting, you know, those that are have those types of risks as opposed to just kind of crypto traders. I'm just gonna bring up one weird story. Uh, back in Brazil there was a video game called Gunbound and uh, basically people knew who the number one player was and they kidnapped him uh, because his account was super valuable. Uh, he was the number one player in Gunbound in the world. Uh, his account name was probably valued around like 500,000 US, which is a lot of money out there. And they pointed a gun to his face and they said, give me your password. And he said, no, I'd rather die. And they didn't know what to do, so they let him go. However, you know, with Bitcoin, uh, I can see that case happening even more aggressively. And, uh, you know, if uh, if somebody can actually trace your address down to who you are, uh, you're screwed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which is why I believe that privacy is so important, uh, especially in emerging co- countries like that, uh, where your your security might be at risk if, if people actually know who you are and how much you have in your wallet. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So going back to like the vulnerability issues from a developer's perspective, I think it's impossible to not having stopping cybersecurity. Um, but the, the problem is with crypto is that all these vulnerabilities get scaled, right? So, what are some of the systematic safeguards that you guys have 
Could you, could you be more specific? <laughs> you mean how to stop all vulnerabilities in crypto? Or <laughs> I, I feel like we need some kind of framework. So, like the, the thing is, uh, vulnerability in crypto is not like printing out fake bills from your uh, garage and smuggling it, right? The, the damage is. Yeah. Right. So, so it depends on, on the type of vulnerability. So being able to steal something from someone's wallet is very different than being able to, you know, pre-line in secret, like the supply. Like there's there's different issues, but I think the short answer is that there's no there's no good you know short answer I can give you of like how to stop a lot of potential vulnerabilities. But I think the best thing to do because of that is to be anti-fragile and focus on security. And focus on solving like the biggest problems with the utmost of security, the way that like a Bitcoin or I think the way Beam is approaching this. Um, and I would say allocating a significant amount of funds to the top security auditors, which again, you know, like Beam has done, and that's what they have prioritized, despite missing that vulnerability in the first week. I think that's really the only thing you do is just put the top talent and capital towards trying to solve that until being able to have a good answer for a lot of these promises known. But as most people know here, I think we're very early on in terms of cryptocurrency and blockchain technology adoption. So there's apparently going to be lots of vulnerabilities and lots of projects. And, and I was talking to a Bitcoin core developer a couple of weeks ago, and he said the problem with a lot of security audits is all the dependencies. So he, he sort of described it to me like a usually a project is kind of like a tree on what it's dependent on. And it's how far down along the tree do they go. So it's like whether you, you find a, a vulnerability in Grin like at the top of the chain versus finding some, some vulnerability way at the bottom that affects hundreds of other currencies. I mean, that's the, the real issue. It's how, how deep do we really want security audits to go, which is very capital extensive and time extensive. And, uh, Grin, I think, has over 50 dependencies. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's why they were raising 75K for that, uh, that audit. Which uh, they barely made. <laughs> yeah. And other questions. So, like, arrest you talking about proof of stake, but you like proof of stake. Mm -hmm. uh, well, I mean, for the moment, there's like a security question. But then, like, when you think about crypto, I love that the idea has been having is like to make a more distributed economic system. But then, proof of stake actually, uh, like, make has the same pattern on the current economic systems. Like, actually, exacerbated. Uh, so how do you I think like like I think EOS does this is that every for an X amount of time period the the block producers change, yeah. so it, it allows for different people to come into power, and it's it's I mean right now it's been historically like people who are friends with people higher up. Uh, but I think in an, an ideal world, it, it would be really like the, the there would be small communities that band behind certain block producers that would become the representatives, and then new communities form that that gain, gain more traction or whatnot. So it's kind of like there 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 are like little states or countries that each each send the representative in, which I think is interesting. But I I mean it's it's totally up up in the air for the future to see. And, and EOS isn't trying to prioritize security the way that Bitcoin is or the way that other smart contract uh, platforms are, DAO platforms are, and they've made that public. And I think you know we'll see like which developers and which applications are built on top of those. But those that care about censorship resistance, resistance, I don't think will. And they they're they're comfortable with that. Okay, thanks. I have a question. Uh, so earlier you guys mentioned the different kinds of consensus. Have you guys heard of the proof of capacity, like the from chain network? Mm -hmm. um, the proof of capacity. So I'm, I'm just curious about uh, knowing like your viewpoint on proof of capacity because it's like a combination of POW yeah. and POS. So 
I all I want to say is that I looked into Chia uh, uh-huh. when the opportunity came about six months ago. Yeah, it's they're building the uh, public public chain. Yeah, and that. my understanding when I did my due diligence then was that it suffers from a lot of the kind of gameability issues that Proof of Stake does. But I can't speak to it like specifically, and I would love if you know Ryan from Chia or someone who knew more about it. If you want to educate us on how it works, because uh, it, it struck me as like fairly complex and. Generally, with like complex systems, especially new ones, there's a lot more room for vulnerabilities and attack vectors than with kind of more simple things like a Bitcoin. Mm, the part that I've learned is because basically it combines the so basically it utilizes the space for the from disks. So capacity is like you have as long as you have rooms on your disks, you can start to mine for point uh, the the points. So in a way, it's becoming a lot more energy efficient. And also, it's still utilizing the like mining algorithm, so it's still like better than POS. Does it use it for hash? Work based on proof of work. Yeah, yeah, hash. Yeah, it still has the hash block. So, yeah. so that's what I've learned. That basically combines the pros and the pros from those uh, consensus. So I was just trying to understand if you guys how you guys think of. Well, yeah, it was probably twice now tonight, so definitely look into it again. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've, like, Awesome Ventures is an investor in Filecoin, so I mean, I've explored... Oh, yeah, so I've explored, like, Filecoin, SiaCoin, a lot of the storage ones. Uh, Chia Coin, I haven't gone that deep into, but I'm pretty sure Bram Cohen is behind it, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Mr. Big Torrent. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I'm personally a fan of him, so, I, <laughs> <laughs> so I think it, it's definitely an interesting project, but I don't have a strong opinion on the consensus. Because around the same time that um, uh, in China, like, we did a project that we kind of forced Bitcoin, but based on proof of Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had about like 100 min- miners mining for that coin. So we call it balance point because we think it's a balance of POW and PO. So, and then by then it kind of stopped because we didn't get, get on exchanges. And also, Vitara came up. So we were like, oh, okay, we'll just pause that project. Yeah. Has Filecoin been released? No. So, Filecoin, the testnet should go up within the next couple quarters and hopefully mean that by the end of the year. Thank you all for coming tonight. We appreciate the support. Every second Wednesday, we're going to do something like this with a little music and then a little crypto talk on a timely topic. Uh, I'm here. I have my cards here. If there's anything you want to be discussed for the next month or just want to talk here for a little bit, thanks so much for coming.